0: You're listening to the
1: Around the Lens podcast, the home of high-quality, roundtable, visual journalism discussion about the news, topics, and gear related to our career field. Now, here's the host of our show, David J. Murphy.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 231 of Around the Lens. I'm your host, David J. Murphy. Joining me this week... Uh, for the first time in a long time, in the morning over on the East Coast, is freelance photojournalist based out of New York, Mister Zach Roberts. Hello, Zach. How are you?
1: Hello. Uh, I'm I'm tired and
2: exhausted, um, but
1: uh, but fine.
2: Well, <laughs> glad you can make it here. I'm sure. I know you've been doing some late nights, right? That's been kind of your your typical work no, schedule. No, the, prob-
1: the problem is I've been doing early mornings. I I had a, um, a a story that I covered in uh, Albany, like three hours away. Oh, Wow. Uh, Yesterday and it started at like 10, 10 a.m. So I had to leave my house at like five to make sure I got there. And so beyond that, and it also yeah, anyway, but we've we had to take down two trees in front of our house, and so basically he's been spending the last two days um lifting up heavy pieces of wood and <laughs> things like that. Oh so. my goodness! All right. Man,
0: manual labor—you're not used to it.
1: <laughs> I am not. Well, especially the, the problem is uh, the problem is is that there's one thing about just you know being out of shape in general which is you know something I'm always usually but also like the past three months where it's like what I've covered like five things in three months so even like yesterday yesterday they went on like a big circle around a march and I just watched them go I was just like I'm like okay well they'll be coming back around the block in a minute I don't need to go follow them on this march I'm way too tired
2: so true just wait for me to come on back Yep. All right. Also joining us from New York is chairman of the APA and freelance photographer, uh, lifestyle, fashion, commercial, all that fun stuff, Mr. Travis Keys.
0: Yeah, he shoots a lot of stuff. Whatever.
2: (laughs) Well, you do it all, man. Shooting a, I like proposing one day. What
0: can I say? I love I love photography, and it's so true, (laughs) Zach. You're talking about like you know not working like as much in the last three months. It is a real thing. All the photographers I've been talking to recently, literally, are like you know I do one thing and I'm exhausted. I want to take a nap. It's like I think our bodies are so used to not like being running every day that uh, Mm -hmm. when we're doing something now, it's it's a shock to the system.
1: (laughs) It's tired, tiring enough that I'm like you know I have have my. D6 has my twenty four to seventy on it, and my D uh, my uh, uh, D uh, seven seven fifty uh, has the telephoto. And I'm like, do I really need to lift up the telephoto? <laughs> it's so much one... heavier.
0: <laughs> I can do this with a camera phone. <laughs>
1: I'm like, ah, I can crop in. <laughs> <with
2: this." laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. Well, also joining us from Washington D.C. in her her living room of her new home is Miss Evelyn Hockstein. Hello, Evelyn.
3: Hi, guys. Good to see you.
2: Yes, was- yeah. Washington, C- I- D.C.-based freelance uh, photojournalist. Uh, anything going on in your life?
3: Oh, my gosh. So, listening to you guys, I went from, like, the COVID drought to, like, working, like, thir- I mean, I think we're on day 32 of protests here, and oh I think I probably have 27 of them. And yesterday, I took the day off.
2: Oh, really? It was oh. a Sunday. Oh.
3: And I was like, I'm taking the day off, and it was really it was just it was great so I'm exhausted but yeah I went from like the first couple of days like panting and trying to keep up with these protests and marching Yeah. and then like getting into it and marching like 15 miles a day sometimes <laughs> yeah. and then this Saturday when it was like 90 degrees I'm like, like now I'm burnt, Like now I'm exhausted like I got fit and now I can't like I just I was too tired to march on Saturday
2: it so. would have been perfect to have on for last week's episode I'm so sad you couldn't make us because you know we were talking about protest fatigue and covering something for so long. How do you like, you know, break from, how do you cover a a protest differently day after day? Is there a certain way you take that? Well,
3: I think luck, I think in a way, the protests are different here. So like there has been a variety. So like Saturday was really refreshing. We had a Black Mama, it was called the Black Mama's March. And that was like for kids and mothers. And there was like arts and crafts. And then there was a march and there was dancing and there was yoga. So that was a totally different vibe and that was refreshing. And then I went to Black Lives Matter Plaza, which these are all they're still forms of protest. They're mm-hmm. just taking different forms. So that helps us visually. And it was like it was called the Chocolate City experience. Mm-hmm. So people were jump roping and playing chess and there were musicians out on the street and um so it was a totally different vibe. So I think that helps a lot. Um And but but speaking of fatigue, I was feeling really fatigued. But recently, I've had a huge increase of followers on my social media, which is like new and exciting for me. So now I feel really invested. Like I want to keep telling them the story. Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily have to sign today, but I'm like, oh, I think I should go out and and tell them, which is fatiguing. But you know, I'm I'm like I'm I'm really I'm like attached to the story, so I'm not you know I've got that going, so that helps.
0: And what. and crazy like from the start when you started covering it when you were out there and you know it, the the volatile and you know crazy aspect of it from tear gas to the bullets to to the police to the protesters to you know the looting to you know all that at once and now you've kind of seen this progression of how it's changing into something very different and and morphing and and beautiful and the images that you've been putting out consistently have been incredible i i I just want to put that out of anyone that's not looking at your stuff right now needs to because it's it's really really wonderful stuff
3: thank you travis and i shot a lot of that with the demo sony's that i've been Mm. trying
0: Ah, nice. You liking cool. it? That ain't nice, uh, pretty good, huh?
3: Yeah, that could get me off on a whole other topic.
0: So I- <laughs> well, <laughs> Another take. Uh-
3: I'm not sure I'm ready to switch just for they're awesome, but for we'll, a we'll talk
0: about cameras later in the
1: episode. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> when we get to the Nikon discussion.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's happy uh, camera
1: national camera day, right? It is, That's yes. Right. Happy right.
2: National Perfect. Camera Day, everybody. Perfect. I, I what you guys what are you guys planning to do to celebrate National Camera Day? What
1: what, what did what did you all get your cameras? <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a nice cleaning or something? Yeah, what like what did you
2: do? I'm letting him take the day off. <laughs> I gave I gave it the spa treatment, extra extra special cleaning.
0: They're all they're all in the hot tub right now.
3: Nice.
2: Yeah, no, yeah. it was interesting because I was just looking up like you know what holidays were coming up because I have to main you know be aware of those for my job and I was looking at like weird holidays and so there's a holiday for every single day of the year like that somebody made up somewhere and. Yep, National Camera Day. So Happy Llama Pizza Day. Yeah, Llama Pizza Day. (laughs) Maybe maybe somebody will create the photo Bill of Awareness, uh, Bill of Rights Awareness Day. Okay, that one didn't go anywhere. Is that that a
0: way of segueing into something? uh, Yeah. usually you're very smooth at this that one
2: <laughs> yeah that was not a good segue but uh you know what is this one right here so the photo bill of rights it's this uh again i i've been reading it i don't know the the origins behind it. i know it's kind of developed out of a survey that was taken and so it's just kind of a way to codify and sort of condense a lot of these sort of responses from i think like 700 surveys so this came up as a topic of discussion last week. I wasn't really tracking it. It just came out June twenty second, apparently, according to their website. And so I wanted to read up on it, get myself smart on it, and you know, I've been learning a little bit about it. Um, it's been signed by a lot of major organizations: NPPA, WPA, um, others, WPA.
1: uh, Diversity Photo, Everyday Projects. uh, I think it's uh, Juntos or Juntos. um, Authority Collective, Color Positive, uh, Women Photograph. um, What's the name of it? Yeah, I think I went through everything (laughs) in a a random order. But yeah, uh, I'm just literally reading it off of the about about of Bill of Rights. I don't have that memorized.
2: Yeah, so I mean, (laughs) basically what it's trying to do is, you know, put a focus on sort of the marginalized communities when the industry, you know, the black, indigenous, people of color, um, working class, folks with disabilities, um, and really just trying to – it's not a, a legally binding document in any way. It's just more of a, a series of guidelines that deal with health and safety, finance and grievance, abuse and sexual misconduct, and parity, inclusion, and bias. But it's its causing a very um, – a lot of uh, angst and uh, discomfort amongst some of the, the photojournalists in the community because of its – you know, in, intonations are, you know, potential to, you know, limit um, what fellow journalists can do or can't do. Um, so uh, I'm gonna throw it over to one of the signatories, Evelyn Hochstein, because... Um, no,
3: I didn't sign it. No, I haven't signed oh,
2: it. Oh, okay, but WAPAL signed it, and you're with WAPAL. Yeah, but
3: I'm not, I'm not on the leadership oh, okay. of WAPAL anymore. So um, I guess being a member, <clears throat> I don't know how that works. I mean, Travis could probably speak to that. I mean, I am a member of WAPAL, but they made a decision to sign on okay. and I hadn't at that point even read the bill of oh, rights. Really well. And in fact, well, so, let me throw it over um, to
2: you Zach first, since you, yeah. you're pretty well um, in tune with this and you, you were the one who brought it up to me. So kind of talk to me a little bit about the origins of this and your experience with it and sort kind of what you've seen people talking about re- regarding it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, my, my understanding is basically uh, a bunch of uh, a couple different, uh, I guess, photo collectives mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh, we're having these kind of having this conversation, put out a put out a survey, and then kind of this came about through a very a, a relatively longer process than just like the past you know week or two. Oh my god, it seems like it, it feels like I've been arguing <laughs> about this for like a month already. <laughs> um, but um, you know, I mean, early on, everyone it was it's it was it's been interesting to watch like kind of the wave because it's early on everyone kind of just signed on to it because it's a it's the standard if you just look at it it's like yeah no I, everything looks fine um but it also came out of i think there's one of the whether it be the came out of or the worries or whatever there's been a like a lot of conversation about it within uh, kind of this new wave of activism is the talking about some level of consent mm-hmm. um and talking about some level of thinking about the people that you're actually photographing uh and that they're not just your subjects that you're again, making money off of um, off of their their labor and their what they're doing and their activism. I mean it's a two way road. Um, the fat and some people have been some activists have been kind of speaking out and saying they we didn't consent to you taking your photo, even if you were in public and and so on. And so and some people have also been, you know, not so nice about it, and you know, and and I guess you know, sending threats or something like that to to a bunch of photographers. I know that photographer friends of mine have gotten some on Instagram and and other things. Um, but it is, a, I think, to me, this is, and this is a tiny portion of the vo- of the full photo bill of rights. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what most people are arguing about, as far as I can tell, is literally this one little bit in the toolkit. Um, Which, again, is just an advisory language. You'd be like, hey, if you don't know how to talk to somebody and like kind of ask for consent to take their photo, Mm -hmm. if that's something you're going to do as a photographer, which is always a choice um, when you're in public and everything like that, um, here's some language you can use. And um, I think the language is a little bit overwrought. Um, because I think you can be like, hey, is it okay if you take your photo? Yeah, okay, cool. Um, and then if they ask, like sometimes I get people, most of the time if I'm going to ask to be able to take someone's photo, if I just feel like I need them looking at the camera, you know, sort of thing, um, I'll just go, hey, can I take your photo? Or even honestly, usually I'll just kind of put up my because we're all in masks now and everything, yeah. I usually just put up my camera and kind of like look at my camera. And usually people are like, "Okay, I've never." I, I think once I've had a like, "No, I don't want it," and then I'm just like, I just move on because there's three thousand other photos to yeah. take, um, and it's not an important part of the story if it's if it's you know something I would ask for consent. But the language has, has basically caused a uh, a portion of the photo community to, uh, in my view, lose their collective <laughs> minds about it and um because again it's a voluntary thing not only it's voluntary to sign it and to begin with but even that portion of it i'm not going to follow that portion of it um and use that language that use that kit not only because i have my own language that i talk to people and my own relationship with activists that i you know how how i act with them um but but also just in general it's i think the language is way way too much you know i mean like i think that if people want to know what you're going, because the language is basically like, okay, describe what you're going to do with the photo, what publication you work for, what's your intent, all these things. I Only once, I think, I've ever, in the past, like, month of covering protests, um, have I actually had to have that conversation. And it wasn't even a, it was just they were curious, because again, there are people who come to protest to take photos. I actually dealt with one of those uh, yesterday. There's a person who came to protest that was part of a white nationalist group. Um, that has been documenting uh, uh, police, uh, you know, I don't know about anti-police, but like Black Lives Matter and like the police protests that have been happening in Albany. Mm-hmm. So, understandably, people are concerned, um, and and so this is kind of to me a conversation that we need to be having as a photo community because there are people out there with professional camera gear, sometimes faking to be members of the media or whatever. And so, uh, to me, understandably, activists are very worried about people who are really obsessively trying to take photos of people's faces. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this is, look, at this is something I do when I go to a white nationalist or a Nazi mm-hmm. rally. I specifically take photos of people's faces mm-hmm. um, because it is part of my investigative research as well to find out who is actually there, what members of groups. I try to take photos of tattoos and things like that because these are signs. It's not surprising that, you know, potentially either police or members of the far right um, end up trying to do the same thing And also showing up to protests as not maybe journalists, but as just not, you know, as uh, somebody with a camera, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this happened. And so this to me is something that we need to get ahead of. And I think that the photo bill of rights in a lot of ways speaks to this sort of thing on the way that we talk to our subjects. There's a whole different conversation about what it talks about when. Uh, you know, in the workplace and and every and everything like that, which is again is a whole nother conversation. Mm -hmm. I don't I haven't seen that much argument about that other than there's one one bit, I guess, where like if you have a lot of work, don't be that. Don't you know, maybe think about other people need work. Don't collect every assignment you need Mm -hmm. to. I don't know anybody who's doing Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) I don't know anybody who has so much work, you know, that they're like collecting all the assignments. I do that all the time, though. If I have a if, if I'm working on a Friday, um, and somebody calls me up, hey, can you do this also on a Friday? I go, I can't do it, but hey, call up my friend Carter, he's in that area, or call you know whoever. Like that to me is just a basic thing that all of my friends do. Um, all of my friends that are photojournalists do this this portion of it and they push they, they push assignments, oh, I'm sorry, I'm on the, I'm actually on the west coast. Oh, my friend Zach is in the East Coast. you should call him up and and try to get him to do the assignment. He'd be a good person. Mm. I don't know that's that just seems like a nice thing to do. That seems to be something you know very cooperative, um, one might say. Um, but uh, you know but on the other hand, a lot of photojournalists aren't like that. Um, unfortunately, in my experience, uh, and so they they will hoard everything that they can uh, because it's a cutthroat industry. Mm-hmm. And I think this the photo bill of rights in general speaks to turning this industry into something a little bit more friendly, um, not only for again for the people that we're photographing, but also for ourselves. My only big argument with it as a total is the lens based workers. I hate
0: that. Name. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: about it. It, it is an <laughs> odd title. I think, I, 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 I get I get that it's such a it, because again, the labor and livelihood of lens based workers, including photographers, cinematographers, video and broadcast journalists, visual editors. Assistants and producers. Never mind half of those people there aren't lens based workers. <laughs> um, you know, visual editors aren't dealing with lenses. Assistants often aren't and producers aren't necessarily. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's the only one that I've had. The few people that I've talked to that helped write the document. Um, I They're like, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's been kind of a we needed a, a, a title that covers everybody. And this is the one we came up with which is other than that, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so. Yeah, I was looking for the specific thing you'd mentioned about the consent portion because it's not immediately visible on, like, the main Bill of Rights portion. Like, it seems to be buried under the toolkit here. Am yeah. I right, or is that?
0: The exact line is informed consent requires a full understanding of where and how mm-hmm. media might, may appear as well as potential consequences of publication. mm mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I, I categorize that under like a nice to have, you know. If I can somehow provide that information to the the subject as I'm talking to them when I'm shooting, great. But you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily make that a um,
1: something that has to. Be done. I, I, as a person who is as a person who almost exclusively covers activism, um, and has for a, in one way, shape, and form about twenty years now, um, I don't under uh, this, this sort of conversation that again is a sample, sam- uh, sample, dialogue, um, uh, minimizing harm applies to fast paced situations like protests and situations that are rapidly evolving or situations unbalanced in power for the source of, uh, like an immigration case or a uh, criminal proceeding. Um, something that you're supposed to say dur- during, hi, my name is lens based worker. Uh, I'm an independent photographer working for X. How do you, fe- uh, do you feel safe with me taking a photo at this time? Uh, listen to uh, listen for a confident yes or leave. Um, here's my business card uh, with my info. Contact me if you have questions uh, later or if you'd like to follow up. This may be published in social media channels and there's a possibility the publica- uh, publication licenses it after a fact. Okay, there's no scenario. We are having that conversation. And um, I don't think that anyone thinks that you're actually having that entire thing with a person in a, again, fast paced situation, like protest, mm-hmm. whatever. Best case scenario is somebody goes, who do you work for? Uh, I say neurophoto, it's a wire service. It's like AP, it's like Reuters. And you go, Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yes or no. And then it, that, that's when it happens is that that's happens. And, and so yes, during things like, um, I think that you have to be more concerned with things during, uh, like, you know, DACA protests and things like that, where there are people who, uh um, are undocumented and are out there. Nine times out of ten, though, or I'd say more than that, 99% of the time, if if a undocumented person is out in the street protesting, they are okay with their photo being taken and they're out there. Otherwise, they're wearing a mask. I mean, this is one of the great things that it's even more weird that this hullabaloo has come about this portion right now is that one of the great things right now is that everyone is wearing a damn mask and so you can't identify people really easily uh, no matter Mm. what and so this is a less of a problem right now than hopefully fingers crossed if we ever get out of this as in our country um, in three months or in a year or something like that and so it's again it's weird to me that this is this has become such a huge problem but like, you know, as a person, again, who covers specific thing, I cover anti-fascists as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, people who are genuinely, a lot of times, at anti-fascists at white supremacist rallies who are counter-protesting. I have, I know people who have gotten death threats, have had 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 Nazis show up and knock at their door mm-hmm. because they have been identified and have been doxxed. Not through, again, not through photojournalism, um, but just general, like, social media and other things, um, because they're White nationalists and uh, Nazis and whatever are doing the same sort of work that a lot of you know anti or a lot of anti-fascist researchers are doing as well. They're trying to find out who the anti-fascist researchers are and vice versa, and and so a lot of times they'll use photos. Very rarely do they actually bother to use photojournalism, you know, because if you're out there, you're already usually known um, if you're showing your face and everything like that. But yeah, I I don't I just don't understand. What, what the obsession is with this 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 little portion right here that you literally have to like control F to find in the toolkit is what everybody for the most part is losing their minds about. And again, it's a voluntary portion of it. It's just a recommended sample mm-hmm. dialogue. <laughs> so
3: ridiculous.
2: Well I know that uh, Travis you have some strong feelings about the the Bill of Rights you've talked about within APA so kind of give me your thoughts and, and sort of opinions on the, the whole product. Oh me? <laughs> 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 no, the other
0: Travis. Uh, well, <laughs> I gotta recuperate after absorbing all executive said. Uh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I'm I'm dealing it from two sides uh, as an organization that obviously you know looks at this kind of stuff and and uh, and when they ask us to sign on sign on as an organization and as an individual looking at it, it um, I think unfortunately this is uh, a, a, a very timely. Uh, artist's uh, bill of rights sort of uh, uh, moment. Um, I don't know if it's just uh, the, a momentary fad. Uh, it seems to be something that, uh, a conversation we should have always been having and, and always looking towards protecting people and doing the right thing, but uh, there's no, other than you signing it, I, I don't know what becomes of it from there. I mean, it just, it's just seems like, you know, any organization should have a blanket statement of how we treat things and do things, and that should have already been uh, incorporated into what we do uh just as a, you know you're a journalist and, and there's a code of ethics it's something that's already been going and this is good for a conversation and how we change and adapt going further and it's a conversation we need to ha- keep having but at the end of the day if i sign this nothing nothing changes because i signed it uh it's only if i continue to promote the changes if i uh, people hold people accountable if so having this is a good starting point for a conversation but am i going to sign it Probably not. I don't think it. If I sign it, doesn't change me either way. It doesn't. No, no one's going to go to my site. Oh, well, he's a bill of rights signer. I'm going to hire him, or I'm not going to hire him. Or mm-hmm. you know, there's no, there's no accountability for it. And there's uh, obviously what Zach has brought up. There's some really there's some issues in there that uh, none of us are going to you know uh, you know abide by. It's just uh, and and that toolkit part is 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 the main point of focus. I think most people are having a, a problem with. Uh, so it's. Uh, I we need to have these conversations we need to do the right thing but i think you know in in a month or two when everyone goes back to work no one's going to remember this bill of rights and i hope that people are going to remember that the change needed is what we need to do as an industry, as a whole, mm-hmm. you know, for men, for women, people of color, you know, uh, and even some of the wording, I know, uh, you know, some gay friends that, you know, like, I don't like the word queer in there. I, that doesn't represent me. I don't, I don't, I take offense to the word queer. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's, there's certain points in, in, in this that you know, everybody wants to put their little line in or, or what they're fighting for what they believe in. So there's a lot of stuff in there right now, whether it gets refined and, and, and pushed, those are different stories. But, uh, I think right now, I, me as a person and me as a, in an organization—we're we're fighting for the diversity and we're fighting to, you know, include change and diversity and be even more conscious of it than, than ever and uh, and go down that road and and implement things that are going to make change and uh, be very conscious of that. And the Bill of Rights is not going to do that for us, but us doing it every day as a board, as a, as a members, as a, you know, photographers, as a community—that's where it needs to get done.
2: Yeah. I, after reading this, I was thinking to myself: this would make something like good for um, a bill of rights that would go for like a union, you know, or like an official organization that could affect change versus, you know, what I think this does is it collects a lot of good ideas in one place, right? A lot of the things that we all talk about in disparate forums and amongst ourselves and with our group saying like, oh man, you know, this, that, and the other thing about this industry I don't like, it kind of collects all of those into one place, which I think is useful. Um, Evelyn, what are your thoughts on you know this as a, as a product?
3: Yeah, no, I, I to your point of it, it's a great place. It airs a lot of grievances I felt as an independent photographer on a variety of things, from like especially about pay, kill fees, or um, day rates, mm-hmm. or things like yeah. that. Does it? Empower, uh, do I feel strengthened by this to say, to then go to my editor and say, I've been working for you for 10 years and I've been getting paid the same day, day rate mm-hmm. and I deserve to be paid, you know, more, whether it's your across the board day rate or, you know, like, or I, d- it, 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 or all photographers, need. I mean, there are, there are always going to be like, I just didn't feel empowered by it. I felt like this is a nice um, group of guidelines. This is something we should all be working on. And certainly we are in all our organizations. And it's not the first time like a lot of these issues on um, gender, certainly have. I'm part of WAPOW, which is Women Photojournalists of Washington. Mm-hmm. Like, it's about all of this. We've talked about being more inclusive um, to also non or people identifying as female photographers that were are not. You know, like including trans, I and mean, well, of course we would include trans people, but I'm trying to find the right language. Um, I could probably check in the toolkit mm-hmm. for this. And try, there you go. But, you know, but, but does it empower us? And I don't want to take away from the document by saying it doesn't empower us individually, but how do we collectively, and maybe this is a good start, but I try to talk to other freelancers in DC and be like, hey, let's advocate for you know we all work for this publication let's ask for a raise Mm -hmm. but nobody still has the balls to do it and we're all you know and i don't know as far as covid goes like how freelancers feel like accepting assignments or turning down assignments because this is at the end of the day this is your bread and butter you Mm -hmm. can say i don't want to do something because it's covid but if you're not a staff photographer and staff photographers are so limited now because newspapers or other media outlets don't have a lot of budget, so majority of people are freelancers. Mm-hmm. Um, how, do you, how do you navigate that? You don't have any protections. Um, so these are basic like workers' rights and workers' protections, but obviously broadening. So um, to include um, what's going on with you know um, racial inequality as well and gender inequality, all these things. So um, I think it's a good start. But yeah, how do we really make substantive changes is it a union I, how
0: do we I, yeah. yeah and i know this this is something that i just started yesterday uh, i i put out there as uh, you know for apa and reaching out to the community and and, and every, anybody that worked in the community especially photographers uh, i did a, a a zoom yesterday uh, uh called community consensus mm-hmm. and it was to really just hear everybody and say you know just like you need to be heard and we want to listen so i i put it out there and a lot of people came in and it was uh, from all different places and all walks of life, and, and certainly the topics of the Bill of Rights we did discuss. Uh, and I think it was a good stepping stone on two open conversations. But uh, uh, these conversations are happening now, and there's lots of people in the photo community talking about unions and protecting it, which is you now, that's unfortunately or fortunately something that uh, protects these all, all these things, like you're talking about, Evelyn. It's like, you know, it's like if we have a standardization, but COVID has also been a part of this and the catalyst of it. So when we're the, the playing field for months was 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 leveled. Everybody went without jobs, pretty much. Uh, everything was shut down. And suddenly, you have this new frontier of photography and how we re-enter it. And we're the new pioneers. And we get the chance to really kind of rewrite some laws and rewrite some stuff going in and how we re-enter the, the whole frame of, you know, photography as a, as a working artist. Uh, and there's an important thing there where uh, we now need to be responsible and figure out how to we enter back in? What do we do go through OSHA training and, and become certified, you know, dealing with COVID and diseases? How do we walk onto sets as journalists, uh, or or, you know, studio photographers or, you know, event photographers, there's a whole world now that we have to address. And because we're adding on even more stuff to learning, uh, and being certified or safe walking onto sets, does that mean the rates should go down? No, they should not go down. Uh, so there's a whole issue of, things here and so as a community we need to pull together now more than ever because obviously our voices are stronger and, and mass than they will ever be as a solo artist uh, and it's more important now to really kind of reach out to everyone and come up
2: with those plans. Evelyn I was wondering you know obviously you said you're not a signatory yet or maybe you won't be ever I don't know but you said but you know of course I asked you that because WAPOW is as an organization signed on to this and I'm curious did, did any of the organizational leaders like talk to any of its members to say hey this is what we're planning to do do you guys have any say on this or they were like they just decided unilaterally
3: you know I honestly don't know um how the behind the scenes happened. I just saw like on the Facebook but I've been honestly a little bit out of the loop because I've been working every single day covering um the protests in DC and and um a, a couple other things but um, so I haven't been involved. I'm not in the leadership, but that's a really I, I'm curious about that um, because I just as a member got this announcement. Like we as Wapau right. have signed on to the bill oh, rights, so I'd be curious. Yeah. I will follow up on that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, the
1: NPPA didn't uh, send
3: anything
2: okay. out. Yeah, so. yeah, and that's why you see people yeah. canceling their um, memberships to the NPPA because yeah. they don't yeah. agree with yeah. the
1: verbiage. And it, and it's funny because it, I'm I'm rereading again the nppa code of ethics which is supposedly what um, you know all supposed npa members have signed and the bill of rights just seems to be kind of an expansion mm-hmm. um, a larger explanation in more detail to things like code of ethics number four um treat all subjects with respect and dignity <laughs> which is i can tell you something that a lot of photojournalists don't do mm-hmm. um give Give special consideration to vulnerable subjects and compassion to tr- uh, to victims of crime or tragedy. Again, really, they do not um, intru- uh, intrude on private moments of grief only when the pu- the public has an overriding and justifiable need to see. Again, holy crap, no, they don't. Um, I mean, this is one of the one of the most distinct memories of Charlottesville that I have was a bunch of people who had literally just been run over by a car, screaming at photojournalists to give them space and to let medics through. Mm -hmm. Um, And the photojournalists were in the way of medics getting through to get people help because they needed to take that photo. I took the same photo with a telephoto Mm -hmm. lens um, and got the same photo and it it has been published multiple times. Um, And this is one of the big problems that I, I, I have seen where it's just like people have taken, that idea of, you know, if, if you're not close enough, uh, if your photo's not good enough, you're not close enough. And I get that it has a different meaning than physical space, mm-hmm. but I feel like a lot of people have taken that meaning to be like, you have to get three inches from somebody's face with a 35 millimeter lens to get that right portrait. I get the same portrait with a telephoto. I get that the bokeh is different and the depth of field or whatever, but you know what, it sells the same story. And if it's something that, you know, if it's at a memorial scene when somebody's crying I still get the tears. (laughs) I still get the emotion of the moment. I don't have to physically be in someone's face, which again is changing, which is again when you physically get in this uh, uh, space of it. Um, Ideally, a visual journalist should, number five, strive to be unobtrusive and humble in dealing with subjects. And also, number six, respect the integrity of the photographic moment. And so I don't understand, like... (laughs) What what people could have possibly signed into the NPPA and then have these massive problems and such outrageous issues with with this at the same time when almost every photojournalist who's working in the industry today also has to take commercial jobs, which is also, by the way, defeating a lot of the uh, guidelines of the NPPA as well. That If you take a commercial job working for a sports team, you probably shouldn't cover sports then. Or if you work for, you know, I mean, like you can't be a journalist and cover that same industry if you just took a job working for that industry. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I mean, and I see that all the time. It's like somebody works for, uh, you know, takes a job working for an oil company or something like that and then also sells their photos or or works for uh, works on a story, a journalistic story, either using the same photos or using the using the access that they can get. You know, I mean, this is this wild thing that no one (laughs) that the industry is so, so screwed up. And they're losing their minds about this, which is trying to do something good, even if you slightly disagree or di- dis- And if you completely disagree with it, then that's a whole different subject because that, you know, I don't think you should be working in journalism personally. But <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah, getting back to your point about sort of the 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 glom, right, the the groups of people swarming a subject. You know, it's not the 35 millimeter they're using, it's the 16 millimeter they're using and getting yeah, exactly, as close yeah. as possible to get the the raw feeling and emotion on the subject and, and, and whatnot. And I can speak to a little bit of this in my past experience working as a paparazzi in New York City. When you're dealing with a a Singular highly sought after subject, uh, such as a celebrity, and you've got an overabundance of people all trying to capture that one person, it becomes an arms race. Because when, yeah. when there was only a few people out there doing the job, yeah, they would have their 300 millimeter and they would be shooting, you know, and giving the celebrity space and respecting their, you know, whatever distance, I guess. Um, respecting that space to a degree, but then you'd have someone new show up in town, another agency or whatnot, or more people, and they would come in and they would just kind of swoop in and jump in out of a car and capture it and, and you know leave, or they would get closer, and it became closer and closer and closer and closer, and it was just, you know again, this sort of arms race. And it reminded me of that photo that was a very famous photo from the Haitian earthquake um, where you just had – Dozens of photojournalists out there capturing like somebody who was crushed or like buried underneath or the rubble of a building yeah. and you see this the photograph and it's like a dozen people all crowding over each other trying to get the shot and, and, and this poor person, mm-hmm. you know, I guess trying to, you know, survive. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean that's it's it's a it's a dark side of the business for sure. And
1: yeah. it, Code of Ethics number nine, do not intentionally sabotage the efforts of other journalists. Right. Uh, number 10, do not engage in harassing behavior of colleagues, subordinates, or subjects, uh, and maintain the highest of standards of behavior. I mean, the idea that anybody who has worked in New York City, whether as you know paparazzi or just covering protests and stuff like that, the idea that number nine, intentionally sabotage, doesn't happen all the time, um, I personally have been on the wrong end of that about quite a few times by very well-respected photojournalists who work for wire services. Yeah. I mean, okay, like it's...
3: jump in front of your camera <laughs> or yeah, no,
1: I mean, well, yeah, the either shove or like put, yeah. you know, the elbow mm-hmm. does a lot of work. I mean, the number of, or, I mean, the worst people across the planet, I'm sorry. Um, uh, are the TV in New York mm-hmm. City again the TV journalists the local TV guys who will purposely set up their tripod in front of you mm-hmm. um and just take their time and if you dare to and it's just it's just wild to me because it's like this this set of guidelines <laughs> that code of ethics which is actually something that like people get outraged about if something happens you know re, you know people will lose their mind if somebody manipulates or manipulated by stage photo opportunities <laughs> Give me a break
0: well I mean it, it, like it, <laughs> certainly on on that in, in New York City with uh, it, it's it's not I wouldn't say it's intentional sabotage it's it's this they've cu- kind of curated this uh, this whole uh, basically it comes down to who has the most viewership and the people that respect them the most whether you're, you you're online you you know you know that, that that they'll put the piece of paper down for CBS over you yeah. know some wire service so yeah, they yeah. they've, they've they've been kind of groomed to know well we have access more than you because we have a wider viewership mm-hmm. so i mean it the, we've cultivated that and we haven't let the the you know we don't give the spots to the you know to the the to, to the
1: young and fledgling mm-hmm. people well, no, so I mean, it's this, been cultivated I mean, exam- in a way the, the examples in my in my history and like i've talked to a lot of photojournalists especially in new york is whether you're on a stage or whatever and you'll just have you'll be sitting in a spot obviously as a photojournalist a still photographer primarily not taking up as much space as a TV journalist does and they'll just set up their big sticks oh, right in front of you and, yeah. and won't give a damn I mean but because yeah. they're trained that they can get away with it because what yep. are you going to do take on you know I mean like what are you going to do like you're going to argue like and, get into and, a fight and know, that's so the thing is
0: the That the house will come over and say nope. Let the let the studio, you know, because it's TV and the the the, the, stay there. So yeah, you don't you can't fight it. But you know, if you've been in it long enough, you can you know you usually know those people and you're like, do you mind if I sit in between your sticks? I'll make sure that nobody bumps you. And 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 if you have those relationships, that's where you that's where it goes. And I've certainly shot enough fashion shows and stuff like that that I have had that exact experience. And 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 you get to know these people and they're the same people and they're like, no, I got you, man. Here and and it's like, oh, watch your sticks while you walk away. You know they. There's always ways to do I, it.
1: I've, I've literally had them move my sticks. Um, <laughs> local TV. So, like, I have absolutely yeah. zero respect for local TV in New York City. <laughs> like, at all, uh, personally, especially as a still photographer. But there, occasionally but
0: there, is a way, there is a way yeah. to, to finesse it. So, I know yeah. I know that from personal experience. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I've
2: seen the competition in all different types. You know, it's not just paparazzi and it's like going to a model shoot or you know like runway show I shot fashion week and it was the same thing It's a
0: full on scrub oh, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean it's literally people getting <laughs> in line fight, to get their spot. It's, it's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal. Red,
1: red carpets are Red the carpets, worst yep, same exact I've thing ever had. I've ever had as an experience as a as a as a, as a photographer. it just it makes, makes, makes you feel dirty. everybody everybody's
0: <laughs> oh, shouting oh for that God. one picture and everybody's fighting for it. It's just it's it's horrible. It's Leo a horrible Leo over here. Leo. Exactly. Angela. The way that just, they,
1: the way that, just trying to get
0: that one split second of eye mm-hmm. contact so they can sell yeah. their book.
1: The way that uh, the way that uh, uh, male and female uh, photographers um, cover red red carpets uh, and deal with female actresses is the most vile. Thing I think in our entire industry, if I I wouldn't include anyone who does that professionally in our industry, honestly, um, because I there's no ethics whatsoever involved in it. And <laughs> but Evelyn, are,
2: are you out there? You know, you've been covering the protests every day. Are you competing a lot with other photographers, photojournalists, or are you kind of able to find your own space? Yeah.
3: I think you're able to find your own space, but now that you mention it, this <laughs> crazy, um, the night the statue that we, uh, a Confederate statue was toppled in D.C., and I was there, there weren't that many journalists there, because um, it happened late at night, it was a surprise, but the local news, um, Channel 4, NBC network was there, and literally, this is news happening, so you're trying to document, mm-hmm. and Zach was just reading the Code of Ethics, like, be unobtrusive. I don't. I don't remember the la- exact words. Yeah. The guy from the local news, when everybody's trying to photograph and the protesters are stomping on the statue and setting it yeah. on fire, literally turns around and does his stand-up on live news, millimeters with his face <laughs> next to the statue. So then oh my you God. Can't even take the photos or document. Yeah the history. And I'm saying, I'm like, and I and I was like torn. I wanted to step into the, sh- I couldn't because there's a statue there, but at least get in the frame because he was on live news. And, and I was saying, you are not the history. Like he, and here he's doing a standup saying, here we are documenting history, yeah. local news. I've been here for 20 blah, blah, blah days of coverage and in Washington DC. And it's like, yes, that's true. Let your video, your cameraman get the actual yeah. scenes and do your standup a few feet off camera. Yeah. But really, he interfered with history completely, and it was, so that was like probably the most frustrating event I've had in my entire time. Another wire photographer, like I don't even know who he was, came up to me recently and was like, you're in the way of all my shots, or you're watching with that wide angle lens or something, and I was like, there was like no one there, like we were at like the Lincoln Memorial, and we're both trying to like (laughs) photograph this one guy. and I'm like, really, dude. Like, I don't know if that was insecurity or he was just pissed, or it was b- totally bizarre. But so you get it a little bit. But um, and I almost never shoot with my like 16 to 35. I think I had literally just put it on my camera for this one. Um, but you know, I didn't even know what he was talking about. So you get gr, you get it. And there is, I, I think it was because we were at a, a press con, like not a press conference, but some ministers came and they wanted to organize something. So of course, all the photographers like with the sticks are trying to find a spot. Mm-hmm. And in the end, it wasn't even a good photo, and I remember wandering off, so I don't know at what point I somehow, but anyway, the TV, back to the TV thing. I mean, that is BS. Like, you gotta step back a little bit. You've gotta let history unfold. Yeah. And, and a lot of times I'm shooting and I've got other people's cameras in the way. It happens, but this yeah. is really egregious in my opinion, but.
1: I, I've actually thoroughly enjoyed seeing the live shot like uh, because, you know, if I either I'm at a protest or I'm sitting at home watching cable news, wishing, wishing I was at a pro covering something because um, I live far, far enough away that it's an event for me to get there. Um, but I have been thoroughly enjoying watching people finally shushing people doing their live shots um, during like moments of silence and things like that, like. I, I'm finally thankful as a person who's like trying to, you know, trying to videotape it and does, you know, my DSLR, if I'm, if I'm recording something, I don't have, you know, I don't have a boom mic. I don't have, you know, I'm not going to lapel mic somebody that's talking, that's, you know, running around and with a megaphone or something like that. And then you have the person next to you doing a live shot, um, completely ignoring the scene. Again, res- you know, basically creating a moment that is, again, not photojournalism, not anything just so they can get their live hit with it in the background in the right. It's just, yeah, it, that, that was actually MSNBC. Like I've seen th- those, those are almost the worst, um, when it comes to like at big events and that sort of thing. Like I've literally heard in the middle, I have, uh, Donald, and then suddenly somebody decides to do a live hit, right. Standing right next to me. And if I'm not hooked into the, um, if I'm not hooked into the board trying to videotape, I, I just lost everything that the person said for the next five minutes while they while they do a live hit. I mean, it's it's just
0: uh, obviously the, gone off the wave.
1: 24-hour news cycle has done a lot of damage to journalism. Yeah, no, I mean, and this is and this is the problem is is that like you know I mean like obviously you know most of the conversation I've been hearing is is from photo is still mostly still photojournalists, but we all work that that line. You know, we're all lens-based workers now. <laughs> Um, you a, know, no, but, you bring that up. For a,
0: I, I wanted to go back to that lens-based yeah. workers thing, and that part of the reason for that is uh, a lot of organizations' bylaws only covered one or the other, whether it be video or photography. So we had to come up with a name that kind of covered under this one umbrella, and it's hard to come up with one name that covers one like entity of creatives. So uh, that's something we had to fight too. So lens-based really covers all people that are in this this kind of creative field, whether it's video or you know, so it's a, it's an important term right now
1: yeah i i i just i just it's like it's just <laughs> i feel like there has to be some I'm literally agree with it it's just like god we did something better because i've always had this huge problem that nppa like two years ago if you look at their magazines you're looking at things it's the national press photographers association and i've always despised the idea that as a person who works in both fields that videographers and photographers are two different things and the fact that like the primary focus it seemed like if you just looked at the magazines a lot
0: a lot of us are shooting
1: both you're shooting exactly yeah i mean like it stopped Meaning anything, you know? I mean, yeah. which well, again, like, try looking for jobs though. So that's now, important. like, you know,
0: when, you know, when they're when they're named photographers, they still have yeah. to cover the video people. So now that you say lens based, yeah. it still covers
2: both. So it's yeah. very important. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but now we have to include the astronomers and the optometrists <laughs> and the bird watchers. They're all going to be looped <laughs> well, in the, there as well.
1: Dentists oh,
2: need to be in there too. I think.
1: <laughs> I, mean, astro- I mean, it's funny when you think about it. It's like astronomers <laughs> actually the probably the most journalistically integrity behind it.
0: They asked for consent.
1: Like, why well, was they going to manipulate the scene?
0: Oh, no, he dragged this shutter and, and the comet looked longer <laughs> tail. I've seen it, man. It's terrible. <laughs> hey, what gender is that comet dragging is comet, comet dragging is a big problem in the industry. Oh, I
1: bet. If there's any astronomers that are listening to this, please, there has to be this entire, like, it's funny because, you know, like, obviously we're a journal, photojour- You know, we focus mostly on, on visual journalism, um and... And so, like, we ended up focusing on that. But like, every little industry has it. Like, I work on election and voter voter integrity journalism, and we have our own little like. Oh, I hate the way that we use this language, or this person does this, and and blur, you know, blurs the lines on this sort of thing. And and it's always funny that every single community has their own little nitpicking, and it's all you know, it's all of whatever. But at the end of the day, like, one hopes that we at least follow the basic guidelines in these things. The problem is, is that
2: a lot of people don't <laughs> yeah no i think the the photo bill rights is interesting it will definitely spur more debate uh, going forward but i don't think it's um a set in stone at all i think it's a living document and i think you know if you have complaints about it bring it up to the people it's just people making it for other people so i mean you know it's again like you said it's always optional um so will you sign it let us know in the comments what you thought about the photo bill of rights will you sign it will you not sign it do you like what they're saying I need to have Noah Berger on here and have him uh, rail, rail on it. <laughs>
1: Um, you know, have Youngie Kim on it uh, and talk about that. I, I just won't be on that episode because uh, I don't want it to get into a completely. <laughs> I've already noped out of a. Group that's the episode yet, so... I want to watch. Yeah, man, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> the Grudge I, Match. I, I, I'm all about burning bridges within the industry, um, as everyone knows. Yeah. Um, but there's there's a little le- level of like you know torching them while people are on them is 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 my current feeling um, about about certain things because I mean certain people have, a lot of people have taken it like way too far and, and like, we're being like, oh, this turns us into activists. And it's like, well, you know what? (laughs) Like as a person who covers activism exclusively, pretty much, and like, you know what? Like the idea that, the idea that again, is all freelancers and something I've said a bunch of times, like all freelancers to some level, we're activists because we cover the things that we care about. Otherwise, you know, it takes a lot for us to get out the door Uh, as freelance photojournalists. Like for me, I don't cover something unless I'm uh, unless I'm interested in it because I, I also write about it too and I also need to know about the subject and spend time with it um, and one of the, I think one of the problems is is that the way our freelance marketplace uh, has has turned into the way that like wire photography has turned into its you know its own industry you know thanks to you know I mean wire services like Nerphoto that I that I work for or that I, I upload photos to um, is the fact that we shoot photography for things that are going to sell as opposed to for what's important and what is journalistically, you know, telling, you know, and so again, like one of the things I think that, uh, that the photo bill of rights, um, and a lot of the conversations that I think that we need to be having is that we need to start thinking about what is actually journalism as opposed to what is the photo that's going to sell on the front page of the newspaper. If you cover a 10 hour long protest, and at the end of the protest, somebody breaks a, uh, windows of a Starbuck. What photo, you know, every photojournalist knows that that's the photo that's going to be on the front page of the paper. Uh, protest turns violent. And that's it. And even though that's not true, you have 10 hours of a protest and one jerk throws a brick through a window or does something, that def- does not define the story. And that is not good journalism. And I see every single photojournalist, including myself, doing it every single day, uploading those photos that don't tell the story, and the photo editors using those photos for covering a peaceful protest up until one jerk throws something through a window or does something, and that's the photo that's used because that's the thing that gets people to click on photos. That's the photo that when it feeds through you know, and shows the little thing on Twitter or on Facebook, that's the photo that's gonna get people to look at it. So whose who's to to
0: responsibility something. is it to make that decision Like as a, as a photographer, you say, I'm not going to send it as, as
1: I I have actually stopped. I've stopped. I know that whatever I've stopped sending those photos. I'll do it in my own story within the context of the story, but I've stopped sending those photos and I know it's been too great loss financially for me um, because I refuse to have my photos used in that way. That is lying. Also the, the bigger problem too. And I think we talked about this in the last episode is the problem is the illustrative photo. I'm 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 to the point where like, even though I've I make my, I make money on it, it's the way I can kind of keep working. Is that my photos from Charlottesville, the Tiki Torch March, and that sort of thing? Those have become anytime you talk about the far right, that photos used the Tiki Torch March where it's like shot through the crowd and you know whatever, and those photos are used and it doesn't illustrate what they're talking about nine times out of ten. But it's yeah. a super easy for lazy photo editors or now it's not even photo editors, but for, you know, people who are looking for photos within Getty and just pulling a photo. That's the easiest thing to pull up. And like, yeah, I sure I make a nickel or 15 cents every time that photo's used. Um, but it's, you know, I'm at the point where I'm like, if I could pull if I could pull that photo, I probably would. Because it's it's I'm just tired of it being used in that way because it's not good journalism. And, you know, and one of the problems is, is that we stopped having, we stopped having photo editors. We have, you know, art editors at best. And the problem is, is that you're working for a newspaper, you're not working for an artist magazine or something like that. That's we're not looking for illustrative. We have a photographer at every single news story that's ever been covered for the last 15 years. Somebody has probably taken a visual picture, whether it be with their cell phone, whether it be with a DSLR or a video camera, that you can use that image in there to show what the story is, to illustrate it in a journalistic way. But we stop doing that because it's easier and it's cheaper to pull a photo from a wire service than actually hire a photographer or buy the photo or whatever. And it's, it's a problem that, you know, I, you know, it comes down to all of us, I think, you know, I mean, if we can't, I can't stop a photo editor at Newsweek three years later using a photo incorrectly. Um, Otherwise, I would just never upload any journalism to anything. And, you know, we'd have this problem.
3: It's hard to police all of that. But it just happened where I had taken a photo of a peaceful protest. So a guy uh, was being arrested by the police. But the photo was used to illustrate a story about looting. This person was not arrested for looting. And And I called um, I sent an email to the post. They immediately changed it. Now I'm not saying you can police everything, but mistakes happen. But that information embedded in the caption—that was like a poor news judgment. Whoever right. decided to, you know, post that with that story. So I don't think that's in the fault, our fault for uploading. Now, and and um, to this, your same point, I was just at a at a demonstration at the um, Lincoln statue in D.C. And there was uh, Jack Posobiec, who's like a alt right, yeah, Neo-Nazi, I guess some people would consider, or he is. uh, He was there. I missed it. I was working with another photographer from the Postal. I was filing. She was out covering, and I knew she got it. And she actually had a photo of African Americans in the crowd pulling him out to safety. But if you just Mm -hmm. looked at that photo without any context— yeah. It would look like these African Americans were actually maybe attack and she said she almost she sent it and then she called and said, Do not put that out because if it goes to Getty and um, goes to yeah. the wires and is used out of context. Yeah. The alt- Daily caller all
1: the far right
3: Yeah. You know, so it didn't get used, and that is a case where we have to be—we have to worry about that. But in general, I don't want to like self-censor. Like, even if there's only one looter, there one thing's happening. Like you said, it is part of the story. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a bigger responsibility of for I, editors to not work to actually think about what they're using to illustrate. It should be part of the record, the historic record.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think I mean, like, look at I uploaded to my uh, uploaded to my uh, uh, my portfolio site where I have. I- I don't use a portfolio site the way most people do. I have like 400 photo sets. So you literally go through the everything like possible, like my Charlottesville set is like, I think 500 photos now. Um, So, I mean, mind you is, you know, a 12 hour long, you know, thing, but um, it's the fact that like, I, I think that again, like whether the photo bill of rights or something like that where we, the problem is as a photojournalist, as, as kind of just a mentality are we're isolated we were our own people upon ourselves we're not even like I mean like I hang out with reporters you know print reporters all the time and they talk amongst each other they share stories and they you know because they share by you know like oh that person got that quote I'm gonna pull that quote from that person give them credit and do the whole thing you know a good reporter should do that so there's like more of a collective I mean hell they have tons of unions like print reporters do we don't have anything like that. And and so we have no way to kind of come together and talk about, OK, here's how I wish that our industry acted as a whole. And so, like you know, things like that, where I mean, like, how do we as one, like as individual reporters, you know, can we call like, yes, we could take that and call up the editor or email or whatever. I mean, I don't know who that to call up at Newsweek's, uh, you know, website yeah. or whatever to call up and be like, hey, by the way that, you know, and it's my photos have never been used intent, you know, wrong. It's just I'm tired of them being used in, in such a ridiculous illustrative way that it's been this wide sense of idea, you know, uh, this like just anything on the far right. Oh, snap <laughs> that photo on there, even though there'll be people listed in there that have faces that you can put their face on there. If Jack Prasobik is at an event, you put a photo of Jack Prasobik up there, you know, but that's the, that he's the person that's the story, you know, if the, if he's part of the story, but if he's not, then, you know, don't use it as just a general, like white nationalist thing. Because again, I mean, like you have something like that. I mean, like used out of context, if the protester is in a story who's getting arrested just for doing a peaceful protest and it's a story about looting, that's a libel. <laughs> that's, that's oh, yeah. to me, I'd be, if I was that protester, I'd be like calling up a lawyer right away because, you know, you're a, you're not a public figure and, you know, and everything like that. And it's just, to me, it's just like, okay, is that the way that we talk about it? Is that, you know, that we're newspapers worried that they might get sued? Um, because I don't know how to get publications to give a damn about visual journalism um, in any way, shape and form, unless we either. Not unionized, but organized in some way, shape, and form, Um, whether it be through a bill of rights or whether it be through actual, like, paying dues of some membership organization. But because, I mean, like, but, you know, I mean, like, 99% of the photojournalists out there were just all uploading to websites and, you know, and barely ever, I mean, I I just emailed for the first time in three years with an editor at my wire service. (laughs) Like, and so it's like we have no contact through and and you know and that person doesn't have any contact through with the with an editor at newsweek or i'm just picking on newsweek for some reason <laughs> um that goes to goes to logs in and then looks at a photo and does it or whatever or you know i mean the thing is too it's like whether it be zuma or whether it be nur or whatever else they feed through seven other wire services most of my photos are brought through getty and not even bought through nur and um and so it's, you know, I don't know who possibly how you got a photo nine times out of 10 these days. And well,
2: I don't know. It's just what it sounds like to me. What you guys are saying is that really, if you want to have the most control over where your stuff is used, you have to be your own agent. Essentially, you have to control your imagery and make those kind of deals and arrangements with the publications and, and similar to how. You know this bill of rights has a script that you you're you know they suggest you mention with the person you're photographing it's almost like a script you would have with the person wanting to use your photo be like what is your publication how do you plan to use this photo do you know how you're using it which you know in a perfect world would be nice but i think realistically you, you don't have time to do that. You can't be your own agent. Well, also, if you
0: want to get if you want to get paid, you have to make choices. Do I want to actually sell my photography or be the difficult photographer mm-hmm. that they're like, no, I'm not going to deal with. that. Right. So, I mean, yeah, yeah it's
1: just and, not and, a and practicality. You can do that if, if, if it's, you know, like I can do that with a lot of my Charlottesville work because I'm the person that has those photos and that's it. Um, you know, there's one other, you know, maybe one other exactly. exactly. And you can do that with a- occasional stories, but can I do that with fast breaking news? Yeah. Can I upload it to my wire? Can I upload it to my portfolio and hope to God, even if I had I I don't have a photo shelter account. Mm-hmm. I can't afford the $72,000 a year that it costs. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Photo Shelter, if you want to give me a sponsor, um, but uh, it's a joke. It's not that expensive. Um, but um, Zenfolio is about a tenth the amount. Yeah. Um, hey,
0: you're but AP, you get discounts, so hey.
1: <laughs> well, it, it's a there's discounts <laughs> through uh, NPPA as well, but it's still ten percent. So it's forty bucks <laughs> off of a five hundred dollar a year membership, which I'm sure is worth it. Um, but it's you know. Um, but it's like a lot of things. But, you know, I mean, like Photo Shelter I know, has like a better feed and, you know, more more photo editors are looking in that in that world than, say, Zenfolio or other sites. Um, but, you know, even then, you know, the chances are that anyone's looking at anything other than Getty right after a, a breaking news event is ridiculous. I mean, that's where everybody's looking, you know. And so that's the, that's where the conversation is being had. And, you know, if, if I want to do. Unfortunately, we don't have the long thought out news anymore, we just have the breaking news story, and then maybe six months later we have, oh, here's the correction of what actually happened that day.
2: (laughs) Well, then maybe the solution is that we have a new agency that advocates for the correct use of imagery by the people who buy the imagery, you know what I'm saying? So something that advocates for and, and looks at those sort of chasing down, Evelyn, you're chasing down those different sites that actually use your work and make sure they're using it correctly. Uh, but, you know, anyways, um, I would say if you're out there and you're, you can, if you can get consent, great. If not, I wouldn't tell you to stop doing what you're doing. Capture what you're, you can of anything, of event you're doing. And then in terms of what you decide to publish, you know, obviously shoot everything you see and then, you know, make that decision in terms of what you feel comfortable with uh, pushing out there. Uh, but document everything. All right, <laughs> uh, let's talk about the Nikon D6 uh, really quickly. Um, obviously, this is Nikon's new flagship camera taken over for the D5. Um, this article here on Petapixel talked about some of the, the neat features that are part of the camera. It has a uh, U- USB-C, uh, GPS. You can save different types of JPEG quality to different cards. You got your time, time lapse, your interval time shooting Focus shift shooting, which I'm I'm not really clear on what that is. Um, I am. All right. Talk about it. Talk about it, Travis. And talk about any of these features that you like.
0: Well, I mean, I'm not the Nikon shooter. Uh, uh, Zach is, uh, so I will down to him. I, I, obviously, they make a good camera. Uh, it, 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 this is one of their professional series. It's going to be another tank kind of kind of beast. Is it an evolutionary uh, jump up? No, it's not. Uh, it's is it going to be good for people? Yeah. Is it going to justify jumping from the the previous model to this one? Maybe not. Uh, I don't think uh, the sensors is anything to, that different on it. Um, uh, it, it, is it going to be a good camera? Yeah, probably. But uh, in terms of all the exciting stuff, I'm a, a lot more uh, excited about the the Canon uh, uh, R5 mm-hmm. that's coming out than than this. Yeah. So I think that that one seems like it's got a lot more going on in terms of an evolutionary step than the, the Nikon. But uh, it's certainly it, it, it's a it's going to be a fine camera.
2: It, but am I hyped about mm-hmm. it? Am I excited? Am I going like, oh, I got to mm-hmm. get that in my hands to test shoot it? Yeah. No. Now, there is some interesting stuff here I've never seen on any camera, like a Kensington anti-theft lock. That's a new one, but it makes sense. A lot of these cameras are kind of pre-staged, like, like the Olympics and whatnot. Um, I, I like... So the focus, focus shift usually allows you to
0: take much higher... Resolution photos by you know you you have to be uh you know it, you're not going to you know hold the handheld this but uh, and and you don't want to use it outside where there's wind or anything like that but what it does is it literally moves the sensor uh, so you can get these higher uh,
2: um, megapixel photos and it kind of puts them together stitches them together yeah well as our resident Nikon shooter Zach what are your thoughts on the D6 I know you're you're
1: rocking the Z cameras but. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems to be, which is, I mean, I think something, it takes a lot of the uh, Z6, Z7 kind of uh, tech and puts it into a DSLR uh, that is built to, you know, put nails in the walls mm-hmm. um, and uh, and like heavier water, you know, just like weather built. I mean, this is what the D, you know, that the D5, D4 or whatever series uh, is good. Um, I... You know, I don't know what the price point is. Probably six K, which is usually what they they start out as. Uh, Having two card slots is really nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, As a, uh, uh, (laughs) uh, even though I'm uh, already sick and tired of the um, the uh, the the C whatever they're called, uh, the QXD cards Mm -hmm. because they're (laughs) incredibly expensive. Oh my god, (laughs) they're so expensive. Uh, Like I have one right now. It's 120 uh, 20 gigs, which is enough. Covering most things, but it's problematic when you're covering like waves of things and you're like, okay, I have to move everything off, you can't leave anything ever on that card. <laughs> um, and not having two cards is uh is painful, something I hope that in the next uh, Z series they fix. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's you know, it's it's meant for you know, something that uh, most people uh need. I don't know what it adds that does D5 has outside of some you know, fun little things, like very slight upgrades. Um, the Kensington lock thing is is curious. Um, I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know, at large sporting events, mm-hmm. as they explained in the article here, at a pixel, like large sporting mm-hmm. events, you leaving your gear and maybe like while you're working or something like that, people can't switch out, yeah. but it, but can it you, seems can like you, one of those... You, like, can't
0: lock down, you can't lock down the lens, can you? That's
1: right. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I think
0: <laughs> so yeah, you know, your your body's kind of like there a, and your lens is
1: gone. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no. Yeah, especially those. Like, on the other hand, I don't know. I I think it's made more for like a mess up thing. Like people accidentally grab the wrong. Everyone has everyone has the same gear. Yeah. You know, especially at big sporting events. At this point, like there's three cameras that, and you know, the only difference. Other on the other hand, at like you know some big event like that is I don't know who's accidentally walking away with like a D a D six and the the 500 millimeter f4 lens that they're carrying around like you know so i mean it's whatever i mean i guess it's one of those cool things where it's just like it it doesn't take up you know like just add it you know like i've never i've never once used that on every computer i've had ever has that thing and i've never used it once um and so uh i'd be more worried about accidentally grabbing the camera and then ripping the table away (laughs) <laughs> because i forgot that it was locked um but yeah i mean other than that i mean cool um let me use it as a I, uh, camera you know, I know strap. A of,
2: just use the yeah, lock
1: I, I think more yeah that, that actually be useful i've had problems with my camera straps lately but um i think that uh it what it would be interesting is is that um whether or not this is one of the last um dSLr uh camera uh like full body big cameras that the that nikon puts out Um, so that that's just one thing that um, you know uh, the you know
0: yeah
1: I think a a more interesting
0: topic is is
2: Olympus yeah yeah going bye bye yeah Yeah. I thought about bringing them up here on the show but we did talk about them uh, a few weeks ago specifically their exit from the South Korean market was that a, a, a sign of things to come and it turns out it was a sign of things to come so yeah bye bye Olympus so I mean we'll be saying bye bye Nikon here who knows I don't know. And maybe it'll just be Canon and Panasonic, and Sony will go out of business. And oh, wait, no, no, yeah, that'll never happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
0: so I, Sony I, has other too many other
2: things. Although they did break off the camera division into its own division, so that's right. uh, that's something very very different. Yeah, and speaking of Sony's, uh, how has your experience been with the Sony A nine, Evelyn? Ooh,
3: um, it's been great. I really there are some things that I really like. It's a totally different experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, it I'm used to the slr and i'm now shooting mirrorless and i really don't see the same mm-hmm. i mean it's just like looking at a tv mm-hmm. screen and i don't know how long i get used to that yeah. um but it's a different feel or maybe it's my eyes but i i feel like i don't exactly know i'm not i'm just not my brain is not processing things the same way however some getting
0: used to yeah in
3: low light it's awesome. Mm. It's really good quality. It's super fast. I love the silent shutter. It's not as hardy as the five Ds. I mean, I'm not even shooting with like the hardier Canon. Mm. You know, I'm not that. Technical. I don't even know like the model names. But mm. the but like I lost uh, the eye cap on one. Like I don't know how well they stand up to just. General day to day like photojournalism. I was really worried what was going to happen if it started to rain on me Mm -hmm. with these cameras. But in general, I'm loving the focus tracking is awesome. They're great. Um, I'm just not sure. Like I haven't felt like oh yeah, I want to make the leap. So to mirror, I mean, it's not maybe it will be the new Canon or the Sony. But I think I'd like to have one for certain shoots. But would I use it all the time? I'm not sure yet. But they're they're awesome. And I got like. I mean, I've been shooting really well with them. I don't think it's the cameras per se, but I've done some really nice work. Um, so they're they're pretty good. The A9 II is definitely better than the A9. Mm-hmm. I will say that the grip, it's the bot. It's yeah, just like they, they, I, they, think, they, I, think, I don't think I would get the A9, the first A9 iteration. Mm-hmm. The um, exposure compensation lock. Although I don't like that, I like to be able to adjust that myself, and I don't like that button with the lock, but. The one that is unlocked moves around quite a bit. So, yeah, there are things, they don't quite have the professional quick, it's not professional. I wouldn't say they're built necessarily for the photojournalist working in like a riot. So it's, you know, a really fast-paced environment. Are they great for shooting like politics inside mm-hmm. where I believe, time,
0: Yeah, they're pretty awesome. So they're, they, they are a little stronger than you you may think they are. Uh, I mean, I certainly I, I've had friends that have brought them to to Africa and and just gone through waterfalls and rhinos and all <laughs> kinds of stuff like that and dirt and dust. Uh, uh, with mirrorless, you always have to be careful with the uh, um, the dust hitting the sensor and not changing lenses on the fly in certain situations just because it will hit the the, the mirror. But uh, yeah. they're starting. But now the A9 II locks down its shutter uh, when you uh, when you change um, lenses. So. Uh, just like the canon, so you know it does avoid some of that,
3: yeah, yeah, maybe I've just been they feel maybe uh, like I haven't wanted to it's bang. a
0: different feel, it's a totally different feel and the a nine too they they took that into you know uh, into note and and changed the the feel of the camera and the overall uh, feel of it, but uh in terms of focus and and that tracking uh, the a nine I've never used something as fast as that in terms of like yeah. it it's it's focusing before my brain is,
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the joystick's a little smaller too. There are just a couple things, but yeah. I mean, it, it is pretty. It is great. It just, I think the hand feel. But I like the, I like the size of it. The A92 hand feels better in the hand, but it doesn't feel quite as good as my. No, my, I, I hear you. I feel. Yeah. It. yeah. So you're you're not
2: so. fully sold yet on switching. You're still kind of testing, ticking the tires, right?
3: You know, yeah, I'm still kicking the tires. I mean, I'm sold in the sense that I feel like this would be a really useful tool, at least to have like one body. There are times when I need my camera to be silent. Yeah. Um, and I felt it to be really effective. But it's silence the reason to switch to demure- mirror. I mean, there are other factors to switch to mirrorless. Um, the speed has been really good too. Yeah. Um, I'm going that way. I think I'm gonna have to just wait though, until the new canon comes yeah. out and then I'll have to
0: do it's a worth comparison. Checking, yeah. But I would eye, say, the I'm eye sure. autofocus on the Sony is—it's insane. <laughs> Have you tried it that?
3: Yeah, it just—it
0: tracks people like nobody's business. Yeah, I, I hear really the dual good. pixel autofocus on Canon is pretty good too. It it is, especially when, when working video and stuff like that. Uh, it, it I I prefer working on a, just the, sometimes a Canon with video, but uh, you know you get more options with the Sony in terms of raw you know, and picture
2: profiles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I'll let you know how the Canon R5 works when I get it, because I think I'm going to switch. What about the R6? Uh, Well, the R6 doesn't shoot 8K video, so I don't care. Ah, you're going I, up. You're going all but that way. Sweet, okay. sweet AK. I want
1: <laughs> all the resolution around the lens in HK. <laughs> oh all you can say is I, I I'm shooting on my Z6. I'm shooting exclusively 4K now yeah. Uh, yeah. because uh, mainly because I can take stills yep. with it with it, which is the best thing about yeah. the mirrorless, which is why honestly I I I really never mind my Z uh, my uh, 750 is I think finally on its way out um like there's been some weird shutter like i it's one of those i probably have i probably could get a fix for like you know five six hundred bucks but the camera's worth five six hundred dollars now used um you know so it's like one of those i'm like oh do i just finally get another z6 or z7 or whatever else is maybe coming down the line but um been able to pull you can pull um uh, basically screenshots from the frames which i've been using continually and i can just keep it on Video, which is what I'm shooting more and more. The biggest problem is that I was shooting 4K. Not only blows through the battery like mm-hmm. nobody's business on like all of these cameras, yeah. but also just like I, I literally just said, screw it. Finally, I bought two more four four gig uh, four terabyte hard drives because mm-hmm. it's like it used to be. You know, I mean, DSLR video is really, really compressed. I, I love the way it looks and everything like that, um, but it's really compressed. But this 4K video is obviously a, a much more expansive. Um, and so it's just that's been a new thing, especially with only one memory card. It's kind of problematic too. But yeah. but yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, once I get the the R5 and I'm shooting 8K video, I don't even know if I'll even shoot photos anymore. Honestly, it's just too easy to just, pull stills.
1: Well, you can take you can take. I assume with the I assume the can the Canon. I'm looking at the thing. It has the same thing. Usually, take stills while you're pl- yeah. recording video. That's you can, can see the shutter, you, which is what do, I do. Because
0: do you, are you going to actually do that? I mean it's like if you're actually shooting to use the video that that just are, are you that smooth in, in pressing yeah. a trigger that you're not gonna affect your video by pressing a shutter a good point and get a jostle
1: it I, I mean on the on the there's no um, it doesn't really do anything I mean like I clear action of doing this yeah. no, of it's good, you're holding it bit. if you're holding it underneath I mean like I've, uh, I've, I've, I've been doing but. it long enough that like I, <laughs> I already, no, but I'm just saying I've been doing it long enough while doing this that I'm like, well, we're, I all right, we're gonna
0: test it. you we're gonna test your video kick. Hey.
1: I mean, mind <laughs> you, most of my video is during a protest and I'm like one handing it <laughs> over this. So if you can notice the slight one degree change as had, if you can do that, then that's uh that's more on you. Uh, but you know, yeah, sure, just don't ever <laughs> zoom in and you're as fine. As, <laughs>
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right.
1: But on the Sony, I'm sure it has 74 access, uh, you know, uh, uh, stabilization or something. So you know, right? At least Ibis it does have
0: good stabilization. I think.
2: I think. Uh, what is it? The Panasonic has some of the best. Yeah, uh, it's Olympus great. had really too. You know, yeah. Seriously, you can handhold the Panasonic, and it's like you're on a gimbal. It's pretty awesome. All right. Yeah, uh, well, uh, let's it. wrap up the show with our last topic, really quick. I know this was a very uh, strong topic for you, Zach. Uh, basically it does uh, uh, you know a whole impression on TikTok. tock <laughs> uh, all right uh but the mashable case again uh, with regard to um excuse me here stephanie sinclair uh she she filed a suit against mashable for using her work without her permission uh basically mashable was like well it's on instagram we can embed it and she was like no you, you can't do that without my permission instagram's like uh actually we don't provide sub licenses so this is now reopened the case uh, Zach, you had some strong feelings about this back when it first happened. You were done with Instagram. Has this sort of changed your mind about Instagram or anything? Are you more confident in so, it as a platform?
1: So I actually just uh, – I just say screw it and I eventually went uh, private Okay. Um, on my thing. So now people can't do that. Um, and, and I feel like um, – because um. I kind of changed, changed the idea. It was just like just leave it. This is like my my feel now with anything what's like if you're going to boycott something, um, you know, especially if you're going to boycott something you weren't using already. You know, I mean, like, you know, like lefties have been boycotting Walmart for years and Walmart never gave a damn because they didn't lose any business, um, you know. And so if you're going to stop using it altogether, I don't think that they're going to care and so, like, I just went private and just means that, you know, at I'm at events or whatever, and they have to, people's somebody literally just goes, Oh, what's your Instagram if I take a photo of the, uh, of them? And then they just ask, I give them the, the name and then do an invite and it's done. And so, I've actually seen it weirdly. I've seen this like growth in uh, people following me mm. uh, as opposed to keeping it public because then people could just see my photos without actually following right. me. And so, I'm torn on whether <laughs> I want to change it, even if they do, because. Um, like I, I've had, I was stuck at like 800 followers cause I don't really use Instagram that mm-hmm. much, um, uh, for a long time. Also photojournalism on Instagram doesn't really ever play yeah. <laughs> um, that well. Um, but I've gained like a hundred followers since I went private. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so it's actually worked really well. Um, so, um, I may keep it that way. Um, but if they do change the embed, you know, change the, like to be able to opt in or opt yeah. out on Embedding it, then yeah, I'll, I'll go public. I'll go public again, and probably use it. I don't know if I'll use it more. I don't. The platform t- doesn't. I, I I get like fifty likes on something. It's the most I've ever gotten. So like you know, it's it is what Evelyn.
2: Most. You've gone back and forth between making your account private and unprivate, right? Does this uh, does this this uh, lawsuit potentially give you hope that maybe your imagery is more protected? And you're muted, Evelyn. You're muted. You're muted, Evelyn.
3: i here. I'm back. Sorry about Yay.
1: that.
3: It's noisy in the household. Um, So I, I'm torn. I went, I briefly went private and now I'm public again and it's been amazing and I'm getting like, you know, my following has increased by like 900 people and wow. I'm getting thousands now and people are really following me during what's going on, you know, covering the protests. Um, so I want that to be public. But at the same time, um, I'm getting a lot of reposting, and, and people are using my images. Um, I'm not pursuing, like, I haven't really looked to see if it's, like, copyright infringement. But I'm also on assignment for the Washington Post, so I'm sort of, even though I still own the copyright, um, I do worry that, you know, my images are probably going to be grabbed and used in ways that would violate my copyright. I don't know if it would be explicitly by someone like Mashable, but I'm torn. I do think it's a great platform for sharing. It's a great way for people to see what's happening. It's great as a photojournalist. I feel like I'm, you know, connecting with the audience and able to share more photos that are even like running, you know, in a news outlet. But, but I do feel at risk, I guess. So I, to your point, I do feel like vulnerable to copyright infringement, but I guess that's the case with anything you put on the internet, right?
2: Well, it's like, it's you like know. the philosophy of Instagram is to share your imagery, right? So it's like almost counterintuitive to not want to share it. But in the sense with this particular case, you know, if, if there, you don't want your stuff shared and people are sharing it against your, your will, that's kind of violation of your, I don't know. Your rights, obviously your copyrights. Right,
3: I guess it's like, well Mashable is like another news outlet that A, offered her like a measly $50 and B, then Mm -hmm. basically stole her image or used her image and they're arguing that they had the right to do it and obviously it's it's still being litigated, but um, that's really low. I mean, that's extremely low and I've gotten like, certainly gotten requests from news outlets Especially TV news outlets, well, they'll see something I've posted and they'll send me a direct message on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, saying, "Can we use this photo for credit?" I and I that. just like outright, flat out shame them. I'm like, CBS News just asked me for my photo <laughs> for free. Like, that's, 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 uh, yeah. You no, know, I I share those and I get really irritated um, when stuff like that happens. But I don't know yet if anybody is, you know. I, Use my images in ways we'll see. I mean, I'll we can keep you posted. But what would you um, ask
2: for of but, Mashable if they wanted to use your photo for this? What would be the appropriate price?
3: Wow, that's a really good question. I mean, I try to like never. I know it's the, it's, it's small usage and it was embedded with like a you know in a in an article, but maybe like a minimum of a hundred dollars. I mean, it's not a lot, yeah. but what you have to set. Up. But look, I know my photos, and Zach mentioned this too. If my photos are in Getty and it's for web reusage unmashable, the going right might be twenty five dollars or fifteen. I don't even know what yeah. I might be getting a royalty check. So maybe that's an overestimate. But it's just not really even worth my I mean, fifty dollars to me it's like it's not really worth my time or
1: better than nothing. I don't I guess I don't know, that's Ever. A good, yeah. Ever actually getting money from Mashable, too, is they're 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 one of the more problematic. Even if you do get a contract, even if you do do yeah, go through it. the whole process, actually ever getting paid from them is uh, I've read many stories yeah, yeah. about actually getting a check from them. is different. That, I, yeah. I don't
3: yeah, I mean, I've never told you, but how do you price something like that? Because I know, like, if somebody comes to you directly, I'm going to ask for a higher price. But if they're mm-hmm. getting my from Getty, I have no control over what that price might be.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, the one of the problem, like with, with my wire service, I'm pretty sure the way it works, I still haven't been able to figure out exactly is that you can get. And I think many other, like Nerf Photo is just one of them. Zoom is another. And like there's a ton of like small ones that have, you know, maybe half professional photojournalists or not, not even actual photojournalists, like uploading photos to them. Um, but uh, is that uh, I'm pretty sure that they have some sort of subscription and then you end up getting a smaller amount because I'm like look at I know that some of my photos have sold for two dollars and it's part of I and I think sold is you know it's like I think that they've been used through a subscription plan or something like that and that's my portion of whatever I get and whatever and I get 50% of that Um, so like I've you know tons of photos are like 50 cents a dollar and that sort of thing and it's it's more of a, a bulk uh, point, yeah. uh, than not, and, and also just in general, like I know otherwise, like my photos won't be out there as much, and you know, but you know, I'd rather get a quarterly check, uh, than nothing at all, and no one ever use any of my work, um, you know, but, um, I like Mashable or something like that. I think, I think I've done, I think I actually sold one photo to them once after Charlottesville, and I think it was like 150, 250 or something, um, and that was mainly based on, um, I think that I saw that that was their kind of going rate at which they would potentially do it. Yeah. Uh, there, there used to be a there used to be a Tumblr uh, that like who pays photographers that you could kind of go off of. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it looks like it we we talked about in the last episode um, that like it's no longer um, under um, it's no longer any uh, uh, use for the last like two years yeah. or so. So. I really wish that like NPPA or somebody, you know, again, is like adding things onto these organizations, but I, I really wish something, an actual organization would kind of take these things on. I'd, hell, I donate to it any day of the week to, uh, to like have some idea of, you know, being able to, again, you know, cause it's not even about undercharging um, them and you not getting all the money. It's, it's like a mask. It's about other people, too. It's like we so there's like the next person who charges, you know, things. they go, oh, well, Zach just charges one hundred and fifty dollars for that photo. There's no way we're taking, you know, three hundred dollars from you. And so, like, I think there has to be some level of like, you know, collective conversation that we're having. That's you know, that's another problem with the, you know, come back to the Bill of Rights again and everything else is the fact that we don't talk amongst ourselves enough um, about day rates and 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 things like that and that's how they end up screwing us so much is that they use that privacy against i I mean i have a handful of photographers that we kind of they don't won't say how much they got paid but if you say hey i think i'm I'm thinking about charging them this much they'll say you can go higher or you might be too high they won't pay that or go for it <laughs> you know which is more often than not no, no, i don't know uh, they've never paid me why don't you just give it a try um which is you know more often than not sadly the thing but um
2: <laughs> uh travis you're an advocate for social media and instagram does this um case uh in the the machinations and uh, developments of it uh change your opinion of uh instagram at all or the way you use it
0: uh, I think you really have to look at Instagram as a whole. Uh, there are millions and millions and millions of users, from the the very best of photographers to to the at the, the amateur. And if you look at the total caseload of anything that's. They really have done nothing nefarious to anyone ever, really. I mean, there, there haven't been too many cases in the grand picture of things. If, it, when you're talking millions of pictures a day, millions of pictures over years, billions of the, there really hasn't, there hasn't been a real like, you know, like, oh, they just outright sold my photo and uh, they're making money off it. This just hasn't really happened. Has other people taken stuff and stuff like that? Yes. Uh, so in the grand scheme of things, less than 1%, maybe, probably. Uh, Zach, you seem to think otherwise, maybe?
1: Uh, well, the, I mean, the problem is is that it's by their... I mean, Instagram, Facebook, these sites don't do anything. They're not nefarious in in stealing work or something. Well, Facebook was for, or still probably is, for stealing people's photos and using them in ads and that sort of thing. But Instagram, the problem is, is that, you know, Instagram, by the choice of the, not having these opt-out, opt-ins, um, end up screwing over people. And basically saying, the problem is, as a photojournalist as a whole, people who care about people who don't have, like, look at if I had, you know, but the, point, I had the natu- point
0: is, is yeah. the point is sort of, and before we get, go down out of yeah. what I was going to go to was, is, is, um, uh, that they, they can take your picture off of anywhere. Yeah. If, if you put up your, uh, on the news channel or the paper, where it goes to, I can take a picture of it. I can screen capture it. It's too easy. So it's not Instagram doing it really it's it's just the other person kind of doing it
1: but the, but the difference is though that instagram is by not including language or not including an opt-in opt-out is allowing people to legally take it um the difference is if you screenshot something from the washington post and put it up on your site your copyright infringement boom it's done that's not a question i've had I've about a dozen different lawsuits over the years that you know True. uh doing that but instagram can take a photo Embedded, using embed it use the embed and obviously that's my choice but instagram's, is whether or not, I instagram's
2: not doing that though
1: instagram is allowing it to happen though that's the sure, difference sure. And that's what that's but, what the argument is so i'm not but, saying instagram yeah. should be sued, they provide like, the ability to and the, the platform,
2: platform to
0: enable yeah, they it they
1: provide so absolutely.
0: um uh, yeah. and you know there's a certain amount of it's just like people that complain about using facebook it's a free program you don't have to use it you don't yeah, have just to post it it's up to you everything on your personal website exactly so my point is like it's getting out of it what you want to get yeah. out of it. I personally get a lot out of Instagram. And and if someone feels that they're not, it's not a cost-benefit or they're they're losing out, they don't need to be
2: there. So, I mean, it's like the whole argument is like, you don't need to be there. Uh, Evelyn's going well, to have to jump again. off here in a second. Evelyn, is there anything yeah. you would like to let people know before you sign off? Things people need to check out or just look forward to in the future from you?
3: Oh, gosh. This always my heart. You know, I'm just out there. Working covering the protests. I'll be at Black Lives Matter Plaza. So when are you when are you yeah, going well, back out to
2: shoot more protests? Are you going back out tomorrow?
3: I'll probably check it out later today. Okay. And and I, you know I don't know specifically today what's going on, but I'll I, I think I just like can do like a daily uh-huh. stop by. So I'll, I'll be out there later. All right. Well, is, is, later. The, uh,
1: is is the defund the police still there? We, oh, that they painted the street. Yes. Oh, they! I'm actually genuinely surprised they haven't removed that, but that's that's very good because I I was there when they did it, yeah. Um, and I forgot the whole thing happening, and so I was just like, "Oh man, this is gonna last like <laughs> one day." <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> the police are not gonna let this stand, and I, I yeah, yeah, it's kind of amazing.
2: Well, well, stay safe, yeah. be safe out there, Evelyn, and make sure to have your consent script at the ready at all times. Be like, "Hello." <laughs> Uh, a person. I am Evelyn Hawkstein. I would like to take your photograph for many purposes. Do you are you okay with that? Is that okay with? So. Yeah. All right.
3: I know. It is it's a funny ra- I got hassled the other night by I was photographing a mom and her daughter and it was like a very tender moment. And I was really grateful for the Silent Mirilla's camera yeah. and I didn't think I was intruding and I was pretty far. I was definitely like not up in their faces. It was emotional and two guys like came in front of my camera oh my and we're like no don't take their photo oh I, you know make sure i just sort of like i felt like this has the potential to be you know let me just kind it's of never the
1: people you're and, photographing that's the thing that i've always found the few people yeah, have had problems so, with it it's too. it's always two well, usually white guys come by and like you basically yeah. are like being heroes for people who didn't have a problem with it. Yeah.
3: Anyway. I felt like, wow, they were being a little bit paternalistic towards <laughs> this woman. Who yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Daughter. And so and when they left uh, and I said I worked for The Washington Post, I identified myself. And they're like, we don't know you work for the, you know, whatever. I just sort of ignored them. And they left. They didn't like push it. Um, I think they probably thought they got it. And then I went up to the mother and um, told her who I was. She gave me her name. I talked to her daughter as a teenager. They followed me on Instagram. They've liked my photographs. And, you know, so you get that a lot. And it's right. Like you said, Zach, it's not always the people. It did make me think, okay, to others, it looked like this mom and this daughter, you know, had tears in their eyes and they were, you know, having this moment. And maybe we can be intrusive. I get it. but some people get what we're doing and get the power of it and other people's don't and you have to sort of like balance that and weigh yeah. it and I got in the shot but it did piss me off I mean to be honest and and I I did want the opportunity to speak to the people directly and not have a stranger who was an, acting as an intermediary yeah, exactly, they yeah. the right thing and I also didn't like that they were speaking for this woman so anyway yep. we we'll can on that note but you know these are the things that we face in our jobs and you just You kind of have it's gonna happen and you just balance them and it's just part of the part of being out there in the world. You know, there's a lot of conflict out there.
2: Absolutely. all right, Evelyn. We'll be safe and see you next week, hopefully.
3: See you next week. Yeah, good to see you guys. Bye. -bye. Bye -bye. Sorry I have to Okay, bye.
2: Um But uh yeah, I I'm hopeful with this, you know, the case and the way that goes that you know it does change some of the aspects of Instagram. I would love to be able to turn off or on. My uh, embedding capability—I'm really surprised that Instagram doesn't already allow that for the individual user. That seems odd to me. No, I,
0: I obviously I agree, and these are uh, important things in, in protecting your work and, and trying to do that. I mean, we're making choices, but when you're looking at uh, you know companies like I, I did, kind of bring up TikTok earlier. Uh, TikTok is actually you know they, they've been discovered uh, of, of spying on millions and millions of iPhone yeah. users. The code is actually snooping software right now, yeah. and it's, uh, the person that went in to actually look at the code found the code changed itself as he was looking at it uh and that's how scary wow. it is I and mean, that is crazy. getting stuff off of yeah um so i mean when you talk about a program like you know tiktok where millions of teens millions of people are yeah. are all using this and it's getting their information it's having access yeah. to their phone and actually specifically looking for stuff wow. you know it makes instagram look like very <laughs> clean cut and kind of nice yeah. but uh but uh my my feeling on Instagram is, like, I'm not putting pictures up there that, you know, it's like, I, they're not going to probably going to steal them and sell them if they do i can fight that uh yeah. if uh if they're not high quality they're going there I, I get a lot of uh social media and response back and jobs out of it so it's really kind of what you want to put in and what you're willing to sacrifice and you know granted we all want the best things for and protections but uh instagram and the whole big picture of things i don't think it's the worst demon out there and uh i don't it's not something that i'm going to task on at the moment
1: it's it's a very specific. I think the the problem and the, the whatever it is is a very specific thing for photojournalists in my in my mind. I, I've talked to a bunch of photojournalists who are like strictly photojournalists, and almost no one has gotten a job out of Instagram uh,
3: yeah. because
1: edit, photo editors aren't looking there. Um, sure, and sure. and so it's one of those it's like it's a site that like, you know, it's I mean, it's one of those like the I, the only people that I know of are like family and kind of extended family that, like, are like this is the only way that we used to be able to see your photos because Twitter, yeah. you know, especially like Twitter, it's just you can't see anything. It's not a you good can't go to, It's not, it's it's not, not good. good for that. I'm posting 10,000 tweets a day. Um so that also that's a problem. Um and uh and so and Facebook does have the I mean that's the thing though is Facebook is Instagram is owned by Facebook, which does have all of these options. So it's not like the company that owns Instagram yeah. doesn't have the option to Mm -hmm. do it and you could build your own I mean the problem is is that it doesn't have the entire kind of atmosphere of being able to sell ads and do anything and I think that that maybe is the thing that is holding off also it's also like it's a site that was bought in my view was bought by uh, Facebook and then kind of forgotten about and not dealt with because it's like it's a self perpetuating thing it'll Mm -hmm. do what it does because I mean like the big problem is they they took so long before they started dealing with uh, the sponsored ads and stuff like that and even that they're I've got. I've had a photo pulled um, that they viewed as a sponsored ad because it was a, a book. I think I took a photo of a book uh, that my um, that my boss was releasing or something like that, and they viewed it as a sponsored ad. But it was like i I've the actually
0: co- shot those kind of book photos and never had anything pulled. Once. It's just. So weird. I don't know. They're and coming I, after
1: you, brother. <laughs> it's just weird. I know, but it was. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was. I mean, but I've. You know. I mean, it's just. It's just weird that they have this kind of like, like, oh, well, it's a missed opportunity that we could have made money off of you, basically. Um, And so it's like this, like, I don't know what the hell the issue is, but um, it just seems like such a simple fix. Again, it's a line of code that could be changed in 10 seconds to add an opt-in, opt-out. And I'd rather, I I don't even want it one or the other on the site because there's certain photos that I'm like, I don't care. It's a photo I want that get out there. And so if you embed it, I've never I barely ever people embed stuff from my Twitter all the time, um, but not from, you know, uh, not from Instagram. But again, you know, it's like I have 10,000 followers on Twitter and 987 or something or whatever on there. Um, But the only
2: reason I can think that they haven't done it yet is that perhaps the essence of what Instagram is, is to be a platform for sharing. Like it goes counterintuitive to what. Their sort of mission statement was, which was to create essentially a way for you to take photos with your camera phone because it wasn't meant initially for like, you know, you uploading your external photos. But it
1: doesn't have a share option, though. Like if it it did, like I can't go on I can't go on Instagram site and share. I would love to be able to share legally share someone else's photo to my feed Mm -hmm. or something and be like, hey, look at this awesome photo. But I have to use a separate app. To, you know retweet it basically or re whatever it which I hate because a lot of people do that, it's on, actually a on repost that Yeah, yeah, and so like it's it's it is by its nature a lockdown mm-hmm. Thing and the fact that like the options are of like you have no ability to Decide on who sees your work and so it's like you have millions of people or thousands of people especially like young Like my sister, she has like three thousand followers or something like that because, but she has her uh, account on private um, because she's a thankfully because she's thankfully she has it on private because she's a Uh. teenage girl and that's creepy. Um, But um, but it's just like that that sort of thing. Like it's weird that they it's a photo sharing thing, but like and try share, you know share it to Twitter, share it to Facebook or whatever. And yeah, you have the option when you post it that can share both the whatever. But like it doesn't share the photo. It doesn't share the visual image of it if you share it on Twitter, if you share it on other mm-hmm. platforms. And I mean like I barely have anyone ever like embed photos from Instagram on anything. And I don't barely ever see yeah. that anyway. If people are embedding something, it's usually on Twitter. Obviously, again, I work in the news world. That could be, it could be very different within art and fashion and that sort of thing that people are doing that differently. But, you know, I I, it just I don't know. It's it just seems weird to me that it's not there's there's not all these other options that Facebook's own other platform has Um, And so it's not like it's some weird ethical thing or something over and to me It seems like it limits the ability that if they really wanted to make it they'd have like sharing options Because I I would be perfectly fine. I had somebody I worked on a time-lapse video for freaking like eight hours um, uh, a couple weeks or when I was in Richmond and Somebody just downloaded it because there's download apps and downloaded it and then re-uploaded it to their thing and then tagged me on it. And like, because I guess that's something because it's the only way that you can share something on Instagram is you literally have to steal the image, download it, and then re-upload it to your, mm-hmm. to your site. And it just seems like such a ridiculous process that it's like if you had some sort of feed, you have a feed, a feed exists with an Instagram and if I could just share it and have a way of doing that, then that'd yeah. be great. But, okay. you know, God forbid we even have like the ability to upload photos from the Internet or upload from photos from our computer as opposed to our phone. That would be really nice, too.
2: Well, we'll definitely track the story <laughs> and see how it changes over time. I'm sure there'll be updates soon. Uh, Travis, what do you got for us before you sign off here?
0: uh just uh i'm really gonna throw anything out there this week i've been obviously very busy and hope i know i know i just uh you know i I am i've been so overwhelmed working this the last couple weeks uh that uh i'm just gonna take i'm not gonna plug anything but uh say uh obviously there's a lot of discussion Mm -hmm. to be had here we you know just just on the bill of rights alone we were able to talk almost a full episode on that so uh, i think uh obviously just the three of four of us talk so much that uh you guys must have opinions and we want to hear from you too so please reach out to us and we want to keep this continuing and uh we have tons of different social medias that dave will break down and uh, ways to follow us and reach out to us uh and it's important to hear from you because uh your opinions matter as much and we want to hear uh, what you yeah, have a little known fact
2: if you made it this far in the show you're required by law to comment <laughs> on the show <laughs> and the topic i i don't make the rules i just enforce the laws i'm just saying um mm-hmm. Yep. And hopefully we can, uh, you know, Zach will return because you know this—he was a little quiet this time and yeah, didn't have much Zach, to say. I mean, so yeah, no, next you know. time we'll come well, a little make more up. prepared. I had to make up, so, uh... Speak up next time, brother. Um Zach, anything going on? In your... Well, I know, know, you know you have opinions.
1: opinions. Like Zach, anything <laughs> going
2: on in your world we need to know about before we sign off? There's
1: very few. There's there's very few things that get me passionate, mm-hmm. you know. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um... <laughs> You want thirty minutes on why Instagram should change their code? I don't give you oh forty-five my minutes. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I, yeah, no, I got some things coming up. Uh, I'm working on a book of my like last month's and uh, last month's awesome. work. Um, I think I, what I'm actually not a book. I'm actually what I think I'm actually going to do, and and I also would like comments on whether people think this is a good idea. Is that what I think I'm going to start doing? Is uh, every quarter um, put out a mm. magazine of mm-hmm. my work like, cause I also write news stories and that sort of thing and try to see if like the first time I'm going to do it, it's going to be for a fundraiser for, uh, uh, voting rights, um, journalism, i.e., the, the nonprofit I work for, Ballast Investigative Fund, and also Black Lives Matter related groups. Um, and, but like from then on, it's going to be something that hopefully, you know, helps my work and kind of funds it. And so, because I produce so much work that don't that doesn't get anywhere maybe it's some small story somewhere maybe it's just a wire thing but like you know one photo gets out and then you never see all the other work and i'm like might as well do something with it um That's and so great. like putting an individual magazine is kind of like a promo but also as like a hopefully you know maybe somebody subscribes to it. because you can do on blurb they're super easy to put together if you know basic design and they're like cost are like five bucks a person so hopefully if i'm you know charged 10 11 bucks or something like that which is surprisingly how much magazines cost these days um the ones that are the ones that are left uh, yeah no i just remember like i bought like gq or like uh, looking at i I subscribed to a couple different things and it's like what the cover price is like nine dollars for a magazine
0: what well what's amazing Um, is you get all these monthly like specials and you can get it for like a year for like seven dollars
1: Well, that's the reason I have, I subscribe to GQ because I don't know why. It's $5. What the uh, – at least, you know, whatever. Hopefully they're making money out there. For $7.99. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or $1 for 9 But, yeah. But anyway, so I'm going to try to do that, um, and uh, hopefully that will be out in a okay. couple of weeks
2: um,
1: because I actually have a graphic wow. designer doing it. All so right,
2: great. Well, we look forward to seeing that on one of our many social media platforms, which you can find out more about at AroundTheLens.com. Uh, you can go to our Facebook page, Twitter page, instagram page youtube channel all that fun stuff and of course if you'd like to support the show financially please go to patreon.com slash around the lens for a little buck a month you get everything we do ahead of time uh like you'll get to you can go on there and see my unpublished commentary track on what i think about consent and uh you know blurring of photos and faces and stuff we will end this week's show thank you evelyn thank you zach thank you travis So much for making this an awesome experience uh, all around. Truly appreciate it. I've been your host, David J. Murphy. This has been Around the Lens, episode 231, and we are out of
1: here. Thanks for listening to Around the Lens. We hope you enjoyed the show. To continue the conversation, head on over to one of our social media outlets, such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or Twitter. To support the show financially, consider donating to us via Patreon. For show notes from this week's episode and links to everything else we talked about, just go to our website, AroundTheLens.com. Finally, if you or someone you know might be a good guest for the show, get in touch with us via email at info at AroundTheLens.com.